Hey, it's Brendan Gennetti, host of the Music You're Missing podcast. I'm back with another episode of Music Industry Experts. In this special series, I'm speaking with artist managers, A&R professionals, festival founders, music supervisors, and other thought leaders in the music industry. They'll be sharing their insights and expertise to help independent artists and young professionals thrive. Live music, apple cider donuts, and craft beer. These are the essential ingredients for my perfect day. And luckily for me, I'm about to experience my perfect day two days in a row at Flannel Jam. Flannel Jam, Levitate's Fall Festival, is a celebration of all things autumn with a special focus on creativity and community. Featuring an entire village dedicated to New England artists and the perfect lineup, including Old Crow Medicine Show, Chadwick Stokes, Melt, and past music you're missing band, The Heavy Heavy, Flannel Jam is a fall must. Today on Music Industry Experts, we're joined by the woman in charge of making sure everything goes according to plan over the two-day festival. Britt Ryan is the festival director for Levitate. With over a decade of expertise in live events, Britt has dedicated nearly three years to bringing Levitate's creative vision to life. Before her tenure with Levitate, she served as associate producer at the renowned Newport Festivals, overseeing all aspects of production, artist relations, and hospitality. I couldn't be more thrilled to chat with Britt today. We'll delve into her role as festival director, explore the Levitate brand, and gather some valuable insights for young career professionals and independent artists. Britt Ryan, Levitate festival director, welcome to the Music You're Missing podcast. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, so I can see it right now that you have bees behind you. Um, can you tell me <laughs> where are you right now? Um, I'm working out of the bee barn at the historic Marshfield Fairgrounds where we have both our summer uh, Levitate Music and Arts Festival and Levitate Flannel Jam coming up this weekend. Um, so we kind of make the most of all the buildings on site and turn them into offices and dressing rooms and get creative. So <laughs> Clearly. Are there, are there live bees in there? Not right now. There okay. are during the fair. They have, um, they do like, they sell honey and they sell honey during the farmer's market here and stuff. So it's, it's pretty cool what they do here at the fairgrounds. That's awesome. I know you just mentioned that flannel jam is, is coming up this weekend. Thank you again for taking the time to chat with us. I imagine, uh, things are pretty hectic right now. How are you feeling ahead of the, the big weekend? I'm feeling good. We're, we're all excited. Um, it's always good like when you get on site and everything really starts to visually take shape, like the tents are installed, the fences are going in you can actually finally start to see things happening. So we're a little tired, but mostly excited. So, I mean, I, I've been a fan of the Levitate brand for, for years. And, like, I'm, like, a true fan of it. I'm not even just, like, BSing you, especially this past year when I went um, as press. Like, you guys were so kind to me. I don't ever experience that. Usually people are like, here's your credential. They usually don't even have my credential. I have to go, like, pull up my emails. And then they're like, yeah, I guess this is what you have to do. Everyone was so kind. So I'm a huge fan of the Levitate brand. Uh, that being said, awesome. for the listeners who might not be familiar with Levitate, could you share a brief history of how it started and evolved into Levitate Music Festival and now Levitate Flannel Jam? Yeah, sure. So the festival actually just celebrated its 10th the levitate music and arts festival to celebrate its 10th anniversary uh this year which means the shop celebrated its 20th anniversary so we started out as a surf and skate shop um it was run by a man named bob pollard um he was kind of just like beloved in the community and he was a mentor to dan hassett who's our current owner um and he uh passed away unexpectedly uh when he was young and and so the community kind of carried on and his widow kept the shop going and and dan uh at one point i believe he was like 22 years old approached uh bob's widow and asked if he could take over the shop 
And so he kind of kept it growing slowly and they would do community like beach cleanups and uh, surf movie nights at the shop. And then they started to do creative camps. Like we do um, summer camps for kids. So it's like surf, skate, creative camps. Um, And then when they made the shop made it to his 10th anniversary. He decided to throw a birthday party and that was the, uh, officially the first levitate music and arts festival. I think like 1500 people came to the fairgrounds, uh, and it just grew and grew and grew from there. So now the summer festivals, um, three days, it's about 20,000 patrons per day, uh, wow. three stages. So it's really cool. We have at both events, we have art is a huge part of what we do. So, there's always like live muralists and an art and like crafters village and uh, food vendors and all the good stuff. We brought back the skate ramp this year, the beloved skate ramp. So, and we also have this seasonal music venue. It's right behind the original flagship shop. Uh, it's called levitate backyard. So we'll do um, free music seven nights a week. It's what we call it Opry beach. Um, Cause we're obviously a beach community. And then we do a series of like, ticketed underplays and shows um so it's cool and there's a little restaurant there uh we do some like yoga different community events in there we'll host some you know fundraisers so i think it's all grown uh, in so many different ways but it's still a reflection of like what levitate was when it started it's all about community and so actually during the pandemic too we also started a 501c3 nonprofit levitate foundation and so the goal of that is to really like continue to create and conserve access to music, art, and the outdoors. Wow, that's I mean, just even having fifteen hundred at the first like kind of unofficial levitate is a lot. Let alone now it being a twenty thousand you know per day, three day music festival with like Brandy Carlisle headlining. That's so impressive. Yeah. You mentioned the the roots of community, and I kind of alluded to it earlier. But like as a consumer, it's so obvious that uh levitate is so honest to their brand and it's it's really nice there's just such a, a lovely vibe from the employees to the artists to just the concert goers themselves that is unlike any other festival i've ever been to yeah yeah i think you know joining the team i joined the team uh in i think officially i joined in 2021 um but i think that's there's just a sense of community even among our staff and i don't know there's something about the levitate crew and i don't know if it's like they're all these like discombobulated surfers but they're full of so much passion and it's like it really translates and it really, it really is genuine it's pretty special to be a part of it i think it's a nice little ecosystem amongst the bands and the staff and the patrons the patrons are, are always uh so friendly and, and you know chill and it's just it's great it's great to be a part of it it's fun yeah, chill is a, a great adjective for them. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm super excited. This will be my first flannel jam. Um, I'm kind of curious, how did we go about curating the lineup? Because it's it's a little bit of a different vibe than Levitate. We have Old Crow Medicine Show, Future Birds, and the Heavy Heavy, who are honestly one of my favorites right now. Um, perfect, yeah. perfect fall vibe. Um, so, yeah, I'm just kind of curious how how that came to be. Yeah, so flannel jam started out as this, uh, it's, it's really a celebration of fall in New England. Because obviously we're a New England brand. Um, and so we just kind of wanted to put a fall twist on it and, you know, peak foliage, like new England vibes. We have our cider donuts and spiked warm cider and all that good stuff. But, uh, so there's a little bit of like a bluegrass Americana element and that's, we, we do sometimes have that, uh, with the summer festival. Um, summer festival tends to be a bigger mix of, you know, reggae and, and jam and, you know, like fun bands. So we, there's, a, we had tried to kind of bring a little bit of that in 
along with that more like bluegrass Americana fall vibes, flannels. We, we, we release our, we have a clothing line. And so we release the fall flannel shirt line, hence the name flannel jam. Uh, <laughs> but I think with, in terms of curation, it honestly is just Dan, the owner and Chad is our marketing director. And I, we kind of start to brainstorm and throw names around of bands that we've either tried to get in the past and they weren't available or like new bands that we're listening to. And, grows into this long, crazy list. And we'll typically poll all our colleagues in the office or see what they're listening to. Uh, and it kind of just slowly takes shape. And, you know, Old Crow is someone we've wanted to do Flannel Jam for a couple of years now. And they did Levitate Music and Arts Festival for us in 2022. So we're really happy to have them back to Marshfield and have them be part of this. Um, and then I think, you know, I think that theme of community really carries over into how we curate both festivals um so you'll see a lot of familiar faces like you said the heavy heavy they were just at the festival in july melt played both the backyard and the festival this summer so they're coming back for more uh and then we always try to like bring in some new bands that we want to introduce to our community um i think we do that a lot with the backyard too in our opry beach music series it's local a lot of local musicians and you know, kind of regionally touring musicians. And so it's such a great way to bring new music into the community. And so we do a little bit of that too. Um, yeah, I'm like, I'm super excited about bringing future birds, for example. I, I think that's going to be a great set. So I can't wait for our fans to see that. Fall is, it's just like the best season and to really take advantage of like the last warm days and to like get together as a community is, is so exciting. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I feel like New England, this is the best time to you know, embrace all of that. And I, I agree. It's just, I think it's, it's uh, and because this event's smaller, I think it's also secretly like a fan favorite among the office too, because we can like curate it a little more and it's just a totally different vibe. We love the summer festival. There's so much excitement and so much buildup um, and such a large crew that comes together. But this one's, this one's like a special little curation that we enjoy doing. So. Yeah, so I'd love to discuss your role as festival director for Levitate just a little bit more. Um, I'm kind of curious, what is, what does your day to day look like, and what are like the key aspects of being a festival director? Uh, <laughs> it depends on the day. Um, no, I'd say I think primarily like my role here is to kind of look at all the different departments and pieces and roles and how they all come together into the big overall picture. You know, making sure everyone it has the support and the tools and the information they need to be able to go execute, you know, whether it's like site operations, production, sponsorship, box office, you know, front gates, credentialing, things like that. Um, it's a lot of moving parts, obviously. Uh, it's a fun little challenge, especially Nantucket, the Nantucket element for flannel jam, bringing a stage over on a ferry. And <laughs> That's a very wild and unique concept. Yeah. And I think, you know, year like planning a festival really is a year round execution because, um, you know, you're obviously budgeting and booking the lineup, putting tickets on sale, marketing. But then there's also things like, you know, you have to get bids and quotes from all your different vendors you work with. You're working on a, you know, what you want the site layout to look like. So we spend a lot of time thinking about that. And especially as it relates to like, you know, are we going to have muralists or art installations? And, you know, what's that going to look like? I think one thing that um, Levitate does, that's really unique. Uh, Jeff uh, Hassett is Dan's wife and our other 
owner and she also does all the creative. So everything from like our, our clothing line, she designs that, but all of the posters each year, you probably have noticed with the summer festival, it's a different theme. Um, and even the flannel jam poster, like she does all the art. And so it's kind of cool because that, that like then dictates like, okay, what's the, what's the theme overall going to be? Like, what's the, all the signage on site, it's all going to match that theme. Um, what are the art installations going to be? It's going to go with that theme for the year. So it's pretty cool. It brings in a really creative element and it's, it's just fun to see all of that kind of come to fruition. Um, and then, you know, there's also like public safety and security planning, working with the police, working with, you know, EMTs, make sure everyone has a safe, fun time when they get there. Um, sponsorship, staffing, yeah, it, the list goes on. So literally, it's, it's fun. Every single thing that goes into planning a festival, you have your your hands in. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Is there like <laughs> a specific uh, like part of it that you really love doing? Like, do you love working with the artists the most, or maybe it's building fences? <laughs> uh, I think I really do love like the. It's like putting together a puzzle, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I. Of course, like everyone loves working with the artists and like all the the stage stuff is really cool and, and seeing all the lighting and, you know, like stick figure brought pyro this summer, like that stuff is all really cool. But I do think like the challenge of, you know, just making sure all the departments are working together and have what they need and are communicating and uh, I don't know. It's just, I think I like the puzzle, the logistics of it all. I think that's where I get kind of nerdy. <laughs> Well, I mean, starting as a director obviously didn't happen overnight. I saw that you had some yeah. impressive experience um, as an associate producer for Newport Jazz Festival. Um, when did you realize you had a passion for pursuing a career in, in concerts and festivals? Um, so kind of a funny, like, winding road to uh, to festival world for me. I went to Northeastern, and so they obviously have a pretty well-known co-op program, Um and I originally thought I wanted to do music supervision, music licensing. So I did my co-op with Jay Sweet, um, who is now the executive director of Newport Festivals. Um, so he at the time was consulting because George Ween, who was the founder of the festivals, was thinking of finally retiring. I think he was like 86 at the time, you know. <laughs> uh, so during that transition, Jay ended up joining and working for the company that took over those festivals. Uh, but long story short, George ended up turning it into a nonprofit foundation. So there was a lot of staff turnover during that transition. And I just had an opportunity to start working with Jay as an assistant for him and kind of got the bug, uh, loved, realized I loved like the live events, live music world. Um, so really, at the end of the day, it's Jay Sweet's fault <laughs> that I'm here. <laughs> uh, we got to work together for 13 years, which was awesome. And then also, you know, when I was working on site at Newport, I had I had the immense luck of getting to work with a man named Bob Jones. Um, he was the second producer of the Folk Festival after Pete Seeger and before Jay Sweet. Um, he was like a living legend. He worked with George for decades uh, all over the world different festivals and concerts that uh george did he produced them he toured with duke ellington like he's just he taught me so much and he was just such an incredible guy so i just it was like a weird mix of hard work and serendipity i think in terms of timing that i kind of fell into this role and 
it just slowly grew. And I was definitely working other part-time jobs at first to kind of scrap things together and, and get to be able to be a part of it. And then it eventually, as the, as Jay, you know, over the years, as the folk festival grew and I did the jazz festival as well, working with Bob, um, I just kind of grew into a full-time role and I eventually became the associate producer there. Uh, and then, you know, decided it was time for a new adventure in 2019 after the 2019 festivals and went off into the world. And of course, ran smack into the COVID <laughs> yeah, pandemic, little did you know. like everyone else. Yeah. So again, though, I got a pretty unique chance to um, go work with Christian McBride. He was he's the artistic director of Newport Jazz. So um, I worked with him on his management team for a bit when, you know, festivals were kind of on pause. I uh, got to tour with him a little and travel to Europe and do all sorts of fun, crazy things. Got to go to the Grammys. Um, so that was really great because I loved working with him at the Jazz Festival. So it was really fun to get to work with him, like on a different side of the fence and learn a little bit more about management. Um, but, you know, ultimately when the festivals came back to life, I couldn't stay away. So, <laughs> so I went, uh, Dan and I had kind of kept in touch. I was supposed to work Levitate 2020 and he reached out in 2021. And he's like, Hey, we're doing a pop-up festival. You want to join? <laughs> and I guess the rest was history. So, Wow. I mean, I, I hope you know that all of the, you know, cool people you named, you're, you're one of those names as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a little surreal sometimes. Like when I get to think on all the experiences I've had, it's, I am very fortunate for sure. Definitely. Well, I mean, you kind of hit on it too about like the the grind that is working in music, especially when you're just starting out, like having to take part-time jobs and whatnot. Um, and a lot of our listeners are young career professionals themselves. So I'm kind of curious, what, what advice would you give someone who's looking to grow their career specifically in festivals and events? Yeah. So I agree with you. It's definitely a grind when you're starting out. Um, I think it's like, just get out there and learn, you know, try to get any job you can at as many festivals as you can and in different departments too, because I think, you know, if you're working in a box office or if you're learning site operations or artist relations, it's all things that you're, you get to learn all the different departments and how all the things come together and I just think it's so invaluable uh, to be able to do that and really understand all the different elements of an event. Um, I also think like, and I've, I talk to, anytime I talk to, you know, college kids, I think if you are trying to like kind of get your foot in the door, look at what you do for your summer job, even if it's not music related, you know, what are the translatable skills? Is it customer service? Is it working well under pressure? You know, what can you do to make yourself look more appealing, even though you might not have specific music industry experience? Um, so I think, think about those types of things, you know, and how they translate. Um, I think never be afraid to ask questions, never be afraid to ask. I mean, I, I do zoom calls and chat with people and get coffee often if they just want to learn more about the business. I think I, you know, having a mentor or not being afraid to ask questions. I find so many people in the music industry are open to doing that. I do think our industry is unique in that way because it is, just informal enough where, you know, I think those opportunities exist. Uh, and it's so much about networking. So definitely, you know, get out there and make a point to network and get your name out there. And, and it's, it is a small world and there's a lot of people who are, are interconnected. Um, so I feel like that's kind of, that would be my advice. And just like, you know, 
just ask what you can do to help because I think the more you can learn, the more indispensable you can become. And it goes from there. Definitely. I mean, honestly, when you were talking about customer service, it brought up a funny story. One of my first jobs was I worked at a really fancy gym and I, I like scanned people into a fancy gym. The people that I worked with were like VIPs. Like they were very, you know, they paid a lot of money. So my, the work that I did with them and like catering to their needs and, and the way that I needed to speak to them translated so well to how you then deal with like artists vips and artists and then my my first job in the industry ended up being essentially doing what i was doing at the gym but for a concert venue and i was scanning vips into uh like a a tent and i didn't think like i could get the job because i didn't have experience but that it doesn't need to be like direct music experience like you said um right exactly i worked at an OBGYN in college and if you can handle hormonal pregnant ladies you can handle (laughs) any tour manager (laughs) exactly exactly uh but no genuinely that was that was great advice thank you so much and and kind of going off of that we also have a bunch of independent artists that listen to us um and anytime we have someone from a festival, they're always like, how can I get booked? How can I get booked? And it's it's not that easy, obviously. So I want to I want to take it back even before before getting booked at a festival is what advice do you have for artists that are just looking to secure more gigs and gain visibility? Yeah, it's it's such a like challenging question. You know, people ask me that a lot. Um, I think, you know, we're in a unique position with Levitate Backyard because we have such a great like local music program um, that it is an opportunity where we're constantly bringing in, you know, up and coming bands. Um, but I think the, the funny thing I find myself going to a lot and looking to is like, look at the jam band model, because I think that they do such an incredible job of building community and that community then becomes like a mouthpiece for those bands. And, you know, they're just so supportive and it's almost like familial um i just find it to be such an incredible interesting model i think the loyalty you know i've seen it firsthand like a band like neighbor who's from boston they have this incredible community and they're just like taking Mm -hmm. off and it's so cool to see um from like the first shows that they were doing when they were like a brand new band and that's core audience is still there and then that core audience says like goes and finds a friend is like oh you got to come check out this band so i think in the world of tiktok and technology I do still think that word of mouth, like human connection, especially with music and art is so important. I mean, I also will admit, even though like Spotify can be a hot button issue for artists, I think I've found so many great bands through like the algorithms and suggested songs. So I think it's a little bit of that, like embracing the technology, but I really do think like interacting with your community and building a community or finding that local community and getting tapped into that, like you'll have loyal fans for life will then just turn around and, and advocate for your band, you know? Definitely. No, that's, that's a a great point. And it's, it's a lot easier for someone to say like, Oh, you should check out so-and-so and then you Google them as opposed to finding them through the algorithms. Um, a word of mouth definitely carries a lot more weight. And those are also the people that are going to show up for you at the end of the day. So I, again, that's wonderful advice before we wrap up though. I, I, as we're talking about your career um whenever i chat with people for this music industry expert section i actually had to change it because i would always say like oh like what's a goal you're looking to accomplish at the next year and i i meant independent of career in music but everyone even when you say that they still give me a, a goal related to music or their career because i feel like everyone is so married to their career in this field myself included um but i'm curious what is a goal outside of music outside of your career that you're looking forward to accomplishing yeah, I'm not going to lie. This is the hardest question of the interview. 
Um, <laughs> I think there's three things and two of them actually started in the pandemic when I had a lot of downtime. I bought a bass guitar and I was like going to learn the bass, started learning the bass and then of course got busy with work. So I'm going to learn how to play that bass. <laughs> and then I have a an antique dresser in my basement, sadly waiting to be refinished. So I'm going to figure out how to do That's that. A good one. And then my third thing, as I watched our forklifts outside, I told the guys they have to teach me how to use a forklift. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All of those are, honestly, all of those are great goals. And I think by, by next year's flannel jam, or maybe even by next year's summer festival, you can, you can accomplish all of them. Yes, I hope so. And then maybe you'll be playing Levitate. You'll be playing Flannel Jam as a bassist. You never know. <laughs> that, that, that's why you got into this, actually. I think I'm better behind the stage than on it. I have a feeling. <laughs> <laughs>